Welcome to the Echo Podcast, where we discuss how our hearts and minds can be an echo of God's heart and mind and what that even means in this world. We are Pastor Dan Sincorn and Adrian Terulo from Shiloh Church of Jasper, Indiana. Pastor Dan is our pastor, and I, Adrian, am the youth leader. Each episode will consist of us talking about different topics and ideals in the Christian faith, inspired from the previous Sunday sermon. We are going pulpit to podcast. We hope you find our conversation enriching, inspiring, and entertaining. In this week's episode, we'll be talking about current world events, especially the current conflict in Israel. So, Pastor Dan, on Sunday, you talked a lot about Israel from a biblical worldview, and I thought maybe we could start today for um, those listeners who maybe are tuning in several weeks into the future or months or years, and could you just kind of set the stage for us about what is going on in the world right now? Well... I was doing fine until the last thing you said there, you know, can I set the stage? I can tell you what I think is going on, and and I I can tell you what my biblical Christian worldview is, which I know that's what you mean. So, you know, what's happening in the world is uh, at any moment in history is something that doesn't take God by surprise because God already sees it. Um, In other words, God is in a place that is outside of space and time. And therefore, when God says, you know, when he's asked what his name is, God says, I am. He's saying, that's it, period. I'm not someone who was I'm not someone who's yet to be I am and and so it sort of is God's way of saying that the way God looks at things is timeless so with that being said none of this comes as a surprise to God and the the way that it is unfolding is a consequence of something as old as well, I was going to say as old as God, but that wouldn't be right. It's as old as God's created, uh, cre- uh, God's creatures. I, that's not coming out the way I mean it, and I'm embarrassed. I'm saying basically that when God created the heavenly hosts, when God created the beings that dwell with God in this place outside of space and time, that's when the story that we're watching unfold right before our eyes began. And the truth is, it's been the story of God's relationship with everything God created since God created it. And so to kind of start with this huge 50,000 foot view and narrow it down to what happened a couple of weeks ago in in uh, southern Israel you have to understand that it started with a rebellion against God that happened in the realm where God dwells and there was a certain created being and a third of the heavenly host who followed this created being who basically said, you know, I I think I could do God better than you do, God. (laughs) And the absurdity of that is hard to fathom, but we're also talking about a uh, a species uh, that we don't really understand. So when you're talking in these terms, it gets a little spooky and, you know, pastors don't like to go into these deep waters because it makes it very difficult for people to wrap their minds around it. But for goodness sakes, there have been how many uh, Marvel Universe movies come out in the last 20 years and they all deal with this. They just deal with it in this fantastical way so that we don't think it's real. But you know what? It is real. It turns out that there are 
dark forces at work in the world and in, in the created order. And these dark forces have a malevolence that is more, uh, that's darker and more evil than anyone could imagine. And this malevolence stands in direct opposition to God, who is the very essence of benevolence and goodness and grace, and mercy and love. And so we literally must understand that everything we're seeing in the world today and when we look at world history and we imagine future history comes down to a struggle between good and evil. And the forces that are behind this evil, they are they are present in the world, albeit invisible in the sense that God's in the sense that God is invisible, but not really. I mean, you know, we're not looking at these creatures and seeing them roam the earth, but their spirits are present and their spirits influence the lives of these people that include us. And all of this is my way of saying, before I can explain to you what's happening in the Middle East, I want you to understand that there is this cosmic struggle where we are, in effect, the prize and the pawn. You know, we are instruments through which this cosmic struggle is executed, but we are also, for God, being preserved for the bride of Christ and for the enemy of God, we're being used to execute destruction, evil, and if we oppose the enemy, then the enemy delights in our destruction. So th this is like the thousand foot, ten thousand foot, fifty thousand foot view, right? Like this, this for out throughout human history, there has been this cosmic struggle between good and evil, and there's a whole line of theological discussion we could go down of you know like like if God is you know all powerful, then why would God even allow that? You know, well there's there's a discussion about that we can have and the end of the day there aren't answers that would be a hundred percent satisfactory to a uh, atheist let's say but at the end of the day what we need to understand is, is that if God is supreme in every conceivable way and a whole lot of inconceivable ways and God has created uh, beings that we call angels that are part of God's unseen realm and these uh, among these angels are a certain third of them because scripture tells us that who have fallen from God's favor because they've rebelled against God and God in his authority and power has cast them out of God's presence but not destroyed them and so they have dominated the earth and they have been gradually displaced by a race of people that God created called the sons and daughters of Adam and this struggle has been not unlike the one that we're witnessing in the Middle East where there are people who say that the Jews occupy land that they're not entitled to anymore and the Jews say we've always had title to this land we've just been dispersed and not present until 1948 but now we're back and we're gonna stay here and this is our home and we're gonna protect it with every fiber of our being and ever since then the people who once controlled that land and who uh, felt that they were entitled to that land have tried to 
take it back. But the land isn't their goal. They say it's about the land, but what they really want is the destruction of the Jews because this struggle is ultimately cosmic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so even people who believe earnestly that they are simply trying to right the wrongs the Jews have done and to get justice have proven themselves to be on the side of evil because of the things they have done in order to get what they consider justice because their whole concept of justice gives them permission and even encourages them to do atrocious, horrible things to men, women, children, pets, old people. You know, there's no end to the evil that they've proven themselves to be capable of in the October 7th attack on southern Israel. So that's like my high view of what's going on, right? It's a battle between good and evil, and we can see the evil. It's it's screaming at, you know, it, it's, it's, it's wearing one of those fluorescent vests, you know, that the construction workers wear, so you can see them. And this is evil. And, and evil is dancing in the streets, celebrating the murder of innocence, and not just the murder, but the absolute horror of torture and terrible things. And, and, and you know, this is a different kind of violence. It's a whole different kind of violence. It's a violence that is evil. And the world has seen this kind of evil before. And it will see it again until Christ comes. But I'm of a mind that whatever you hear on the news, whatever people say to you about these events, the evil has to be identified for what it is. It's evil. It's not freedom fighters. It's not, um, you know, a political thing. It's rabid dogs turned loose from hell. Well, I think in our current climate, it can be so difficult sometimes to determine like what is true, what is good, what is actually happening here. Um, And, you know, maybe that's Maybe that's the intention. I don't know. Um, But I liked what you said in the sermon on Sunday. Um, And you've said this so many times since I've known you. And I just, I always go back to it in times like this where, you know, there are certain people who believe this and certain people who believe that. It's tough to know where that line is between good and evil in some respects. Other times it's easy. Like in the show Stranger Things, you can clearly see the battle between humans and you can see the cos- the cosmic battle there between you know evil and and good um but anyway i liked what you said um how you say god brings cosmic order compassion grace and perfect love and the enemy brings chaos oppression death and decay mm-hmm. and you said just keep that in mind when when you're evaluating all of these things that you hear, all of this news, everything that goes on in your life. Where is the cosmic order and where is the chaos? And that can help so much when just trying to make sense of whatever is going on. Yeah. And so I want to say that, you know, having been to... Israel and Palestine a few times and and built friendships over there and and having been a friend to Israel in my sort of spiritual and doctrinal understanding of things and as, as one who supports Israel which by the way doesn't mean that I hate anybody else it just means that I believe that there's a kinship between Christian believers and Israel that we should not neglect 
but I also believe in in human rights. I, I believe in in uh, everyone's right to exist and everyone's right to peace and safety. You know. And so, having said that, I want you to know that that I feel that there have been plenty of times in the last 50 or 60 years when Israel has been guilty of oppressing Palestinian people. There have been times when Israel has been uh, somewhat complicit in the chaos that has ruled in some of the Palestinian territories that have been allocated to them and so forth. Um, to say that Israel can't do a better job than they have would be wrong. They, they can always do a better job of managing their relationship with their Arab neighbors. And yet, they would rightly argue that they can only do so much, and then it comes down to whether they're going to protect their own people or protect the interests of people who seem to be really bent on hurting their own people. And to understand the thing in the best sense, you need to realize that there are many, many Arab and Muslim people who are citizens within Israel. And Israel is protecting and defending them too because they are citizens. And it's just like Americans who come from various backgrounds and religious orientations and so forth. Our government and our military and our police are, are tasked with protecting us all and that we all have certain inalienable rights that they are here to, that these military and police forces are here to protect. And so it doesn't discriminate between your religion and so forth. In a perfect world, I know that this isn't literally true all of the time, and there are people who are going to tell me, you know, yes, there's injustice in our police force regarding certain people of certain races and so forth. And, and I'm not here to argue that. I'm, I'm really just trying to say that if you live in Israel and you're a citizen of Israel, regardless of whether you're a Jew, then the rules and things that Israel has put in place to protect Jewish citizens or Israeli citizens, I just kind of messed up there, you know, they've put these things in place to protect Israeli citizens, which include non-Jews, which include Arabs, which include Christians, which include Muslims. They, they are putting up these uh, means of protecting their own people from folks that they've tried to get along with but who seem really bent on doing harm to Israeli citizens. And I'm really oversimplifying it, but th that's okay because this isn't that kind of podcast. And as a guy who's been watching and listening to a lot of stuff in the last few days, I can tell you that if you want a more in-depth understanding of the political uh, aspects of all of this. This is not the podcast for that. As a pastor, I want my flock to be informed biblically and to look at these things through a biblical Christian worldview. So what I'm trying to say then is, is that when people look at what's going on over there, they need to understand that the that the difference between the good and the evil is seen in the degree of oppression and the degree of chaos and death and decay, right? So I, I, I'm really reluctant to say this because I have, you know, professors in seminary that would probably beat me over the head with a stick. But what I want you to hear me saying basically is, yeah, Israel has definitely been a little bad at times because of their somewhat oppressive policies towards the Palestinians. And they could they could definitely take, uh, you know, a couple of, of beatings for the way that their citizens have behaved towards um, some Arabs and so forth. Now, I've heard Arab people claiming that this thing that happened in southern Israel is justified because atrocities have been uh, inflicted upon Arab people over the years. And yet, 
if they're really honest and really specific, what you find out is that there are times when Israeli citizens who were displaced by some agreement that they didn't particularly sign on to had to leave their homes and their properties so that it could be occupied by people that the government had made an agreement with. In other words, Jews used to live and Israeli citizens used to live in the Gaza territory and they were pushed out as a part of an agreement that was made between the Israeli government and the Palestinians. All right, we're going to let you have that whole region and our people are going to leave. So these people had to leave behind homesteads that they had built up and everything and they were mad. And so maybe some of those people, not justifiably, but understandably, in other words, there's no justice in what they did, but maybe they were just really frustrated and they did some terrible things. And what would you say to that? Well, you would say, gosh, some of my citizens did some terrible things. And when we found out about it, we punished them for it. You know, that's a degree of evil. You know, that's a degree of... of behavior that is unfortunate but occurs in every community. I mean, there are people right here in our nice little town that we live in who occasionally do things to their neighbors that they should not do. And they leave in their wake pain and suffering and destruction and all of that. And when that happens, we hope that justice is served and those people pay for their crimes. So that's one thing. But when you talk about an organized operation of terror where thousands of your operatives are turned loose like rabid dogs, and I'm calling them that because of what they did, mm-hmm. and they are told, just have at it, man. Just, just do all the harm you can do and make it hurt. You know, and, and that leads to... Not more than just murder. It's it's torture. It's it's rape. It's it's offenses against babies. You know, it, it's incredibly evil, and so it comes down to scale. You know what I mean? It comes down to scale. I don't mean to defend Israel for things they've done wrong, but I want people to understand that there's a very different thing going on here. <laughs> this, this is very different. You know, when governments are trying to negotiate arrangements on a high level that don't always get met with support by their own people down on the ground, there's tension. And it ends up looking like the range wars in our old west or something like that. And then the government has to send the army in and say, okay, enough already. You know, I mean, this is, this is one thing. But what happened on October 7th was terror. It was evil on the most malevolent level you can imagine. And it did not come because of political disagreements. It did not come because of people being oppressed by one side or the other. It came from hell, plain and simple. It Mm -hmm. came from hell. And I'm not saying that because it was directed at Jews, but I ain't saying that it isn't about the Jews. Mm -hmm. Because... When you go back to what I opened with, uh, when I was talking about how this thing is cosmic in its ultimate nature, then you understand that the evil that is directed towards God is executed upon the people that God loves so much. I mean, you know, how do you hurt somebody to the core? Hurt their children. You know, how do you hurt people most deeply? Make them watch while you punish and torture their children. And as if it isn't enough to do that figuratively to the Lord, they did it literally. Yeah. Literally. 
This is malevolence on a level that I've never seen in my entire life. As bad as the 9-11 attacks were, and you know, I have vivid memories of it. You were very young, right? You know, but I remember. As bad as that was, it wasn't as personal as what was done to the people of Israel on October 7th. Mm -hmm. That was people having their homes invaded. And I'm not going to describe the things that happened, but you know it's not hard to find out. Yeah. But the degree of evil is off the charts. And I refuse as a person, as a human being, never mind that I'm a pastor, never mind that I've got, you know, this, this Christian worldview or anything, never mind any of that. As a human being, as someone who says, I want to be part of civilized civilization. I want to be part of a civilized culture. I'm saying this was horrible. This was evil to an extreme that I couldn't even imagine was possible anymore. And when people say this is the, the last time anything like this happened to Jewish communities was the Holocaust. Yep. And yet that was a nation state. That was a nation. You know, the Nazis re represented the German people. They were the government. The, the Nazis were, were a military force that was going out and taking over, you know, vast stretches of Europe. And they had designs on the whole world. And, you know, never mind that it was an evil, you know, whatever. But there was, there was a sense that what the Nazis were doing was part of their greater plan of world domination. And this was just terrorism. You know what I mean? Like, like mm -hmm. there are Muslim countries with militaries. There are Muslim people in certain places in government more than the people themselves. But there are Muslim governments like the Taliban, let's say, if you want to call that a government, but you know, if if you if you look at them, well, yeah, they're they're bent on world domination and the destruction of all of the infidels, you know. But they probably aren't going to be able to pull it off to the extent that the Nazis did, because they don't have the resources the Nazis had. And thank God. Yeah. So even when we compare what happened on October 7th with the Nazi Holocaust, it still isn't quite the same thing because one was evil and the thing that most recently happened is even more evil. Like, you know, because basically all of the players, the vast majority of the people who committed these atrocities got killed before it was all over. And those who haven't will be. <laughs> and so what was in it for them? The taste of blood. It was sadistic. You know, it was it was it was diseased thinking, you know, and it that's just evil. So I don't mean to rant, but but it just it's like it's for me as a pastor now. And as a leader of a small group of Christians, it's like, I just want my people to understand that, that when you signed up to be a Christian, when you started singing about how wonderful the world is because Christmas happened and all those songs you sing at Christmas time, you know, when you signed up for that, when you said, I believe Jesus died on the cross for my sins and rose again three days later, when you agreed to all of that, do you... Do you understand that you made yourself a target of God's enemy? And my guess is, is if you don't see yourself as a target of God's enemy, it's probably because you're not. Mm. And why not? You know, in, in the world outside of creation, in, in the realm where God is at battle with God's enemy, anyone who is favored by God 
was worthy of what happened to those Jews in the kibbutzim in southern Gaza or southern Israel near Gaza. Like, like in in Satan's world, in Satan's mind, every follower of Christ deserves the horrific things that happened. You know, like like you've got to be able to recognize that what we're witnessing right now is on a certain level a sign of the ferocity and vile malevolence of, of God's enemy. And I, I don't like to use the word Satan very much if you haven't figured that out. Mm-hmm. And that's because some of these words have become distorted. Of course, you know, there's a very famous old saying that one of the most disastrous things that Satan ever accomplished was convincing people he doesn't exist. You know, I was like, well, he does. But he's not, you know, he's not the guy in the deviled ham can. I mean, like, he's he's not a guy in a little red suit with a pitchfork and horns. He's, he is a mighty angel who God gave great power for God's good purposes and this angel rebelled against God and why God creates creatures who can rebel against them doesn't make any sense in one way of looking at it because it's like well heck if God didn't want rebellion to happen and all this evil then why did he create beings who could rebel against him because what kind of created being are you if you don't have the will to resist your creator See, that's the problem it always comes back to is if God doesn't want sin, why does he put the tree of good and evil, knowledge of good and evil in the Garden of Eden? Well, it turns out he didn't. God put the tree of life in there. And it turns out that God, you know, if God made a mistake, and I dare say God didn't make a mistake, but, but, but if God made a mistake, it was leaving the gate open to the Garden of Eden because wouldn't you know it? Old Satan, that crafty old dragon, he sneaks in and and he puts up a tree that looks like the tree of life. And and if anything, it looks even more desirable than the tree of life. And he says, God wasn't exactly telling you the truth about things. You know, and what we end up with is a cosmic struggle where humans created in God's image, which I call the race of Adam, you know, the sons and daughters of Adam. Like these, these have been targets of God's enemy, Satan, ever since. And, and there's a whole cosmic play that I don't even want to get into right now, but I happen to be one of those weirdos that believes that pretty much everything in the Bible is exactly as it appears to be in that a lot of the things we have come to know about the world and the history of the world and everything, you know, that that Greek mythology is speaking of creatures that existed. You know, that that the various cultures with ancient stories of bizarre creatures and lesser gods and all of this stuff, you know, like it's real. And if anything... It pre-existed Eden, back when God had cast all the rebellious ones out of God's realm, they ended up on earth. And then eventually, in the midst of all that chaos, God's decided to put an extension of heaven on earth, and it's this place called Eden. And... Well, it's sort of like someone taking the territory away from your evil, you know, occupiers or whatever you want to call them, the evil residents. So, like I said, I I have these strange ideas about all of these things that would probably turn off. You know, like if I talked this way 20 years ago, I probably wouldn't be working as a pastor now. But it turns out that 20 years later, after a series of movies and things that we've already seen the images that we think are fake 
Well, they are on the movies. It's all fake on the movies. I've seen the behind-the-scenes things. I mean, you got to be one heck of an actor in in twenty twenty in the twenty first century, you know, because most of your acting's done in front of green things, and you don't even see what you're acting towards. You know, like like man, these people are good. I'll give them credit for that. Yeah. They're playing off of things they can't see, but. This isn't about that. What I'm saying is, is these things they can't see are coming from the imaginations of people who have in their DNA a sort of historical record of when these kinds of things did exist. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like part of what the artist draws is coming from their ancient memory. You know, there's sort of primal memory, you know, and it turns out that the world is a lot more like what the Bible says than people have ever lately been willing to accept. And so when we watch these things unfold in the world, we can either try to make sense of it from a human perspective, and that is kind of what happens when you get sort of... Uh, I don't know what you call them, elites. Some elites are very conservative and some are, some are very liberal, but, but elitists are so sure that humanity is the highest thing and that there's nothing above humanity. They also then believe that some humans are more above than other humans. And so they have this sort of hierarchy of, of elitism and so they try to work out everything they see in the world by blaming less elite human beings and people who are not as sophisticated. And, you know, and so they create this whole hierarchy of humanity that really is another form of vanity and sanity, right? And that's how they try to interpret the world. But when I try to interpret the world through scripture, then I have to deal with things that are in there that we try to ignore because we don't know what to make of it. Like giants. Mm -hmm. Like visitations from space, outside space-time. You know, openings in the fabric of, of space-time. And, and, and we try to, we have to reconcile with miracles. We have to reconcile with, with uh, things that happen that seem inconceivable to us, you know. And, and, and it's like, okay, so I made a decision many, many years ago, Adrian. I just decided, what if the Bible is exactly what it appears to be? What if it's saying exactly what it means, and it means exactly what it says? Now look at the world and ask yourself if it makes more sense or less sense if you take the Bible literally. And I began to realize over the years, it makes more sense if you take it literally. Hmm. It makes more sense to say, yeah, you know, they found fossil remains of dinosaurs and strange creatures and things that roamed the earth 60 million years ago, but Christians believe some that the world is only 6,000 years old. What if it turns out they're both right? What if it turns out that God created Eden 6,000 years ago plus? We're almost at 7,000 years, but, but, but I'm not saying, you know, somebody will get a hold of this one little part and they'll want to take issue with me. I'm saying I asked myself that question. Mm -hmm. If I take the Bible literally, how do I balance what good science has taught us, like carbon dating and that kind of thing, how do I balance it? Well, what if it turns out that the world's been occupied for a long time by creatures and lesser gods, which is just another word for the really powerful angels like Satan, you know, who set themselves up as gods? What if the world was populated with societies that were governed by gods and super beings and all kinds of strange things? What if all of that was here because of this cosmic conflict in heaven, we'll say. And what if God comes along and creates this place where his people can dwell and he can sort of end the chaos and create the resolution to this cosmic struggle and it begins with a people, a race of people God created in God's own image with the purpose of becoming the eternal companion of 
God's son, who is the most important person in God's whatever. You know, you can't say universe because he makes universes. But, you know, the most important being to God is his son. The, the thing he treasures most in all of everything, the Lord's most essential need is, is the love of his son and to love his son. And so he creates these people to love his son and to be loved by his son, to make his son all the more complete. And this is, this is God's eternal purpose. And so he starts by making this place where heaven is on earth in the midst of all this chaos that has existed because of this cosmic struggle that resulted in a third of the heavenly realm being cast to the earth and said, hey, you guys do what you want with it. And it turns out they can't create cosmic order. They can't create anything but chaos. And so in the midst of all this chaos, this place called Eden happens. And so then it becomes like the, the, the offense to the fallen realm, right? You know? So I ask myself all these questions like, like, okay, what if the Bible is that literally true? What if, what if it takes more intellectual security and more intellectual energy to try to to embrace what the Bible says about the world and the universe and everything, what if it turns out that you're actually more intellectually confident because you can believe that? You know, what if it takes more uh, intellectual um, chicanery and weirdness to try to make the world make sense from an entirely human point of view? What if you can make more sense of the world by having the confidence to trust that maybe things that seem unlikely are likely? <laughs> so this is, this is how my whole mindset changed over the years to where when we find ourselves confronted with, I believe... And I know we, we try to wrap this thing up here, but what, what, what I think is going on in the world today then is that we may very well be witnessing the end times things that are prophesied in scripture that we might be looking at and probably are. I think there's an awful lot. And I don't say that lightly. Mm -hmm. If you'd asked me two weeks ago, I would have said, eh, maybe heck that Sunday right after on the eighth, I said, do you think this is the end of the world? No, but it might be. <laughs> well, I've had time to think it over, and this Sunday I would say, it seems probable, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, and I know people have existed at different times in human history where it must have looked to them like it was the end of the world. But there are certain things from Scripture which I have found to be trustworthy and true even when it's talking about things that seem bizarre, like giants. Mm -hmm. What if it turns out that if it's that trustworthy and true that the things we're told to look for are lining up? And what if it turns out that, that if this thing in the Middle East blows up more and certain other prophetic statements come to pass because we're seeing the fulfillment of prophecy in so many ways. You know, what if it turns out that, that we're really living in the last days and that we might be witnessing these things? Well, if that's true, there are certain things that Christians have been deceived about and fed counterfeit currency, you know, and finding the truth interwoven through all of that counterfeit currency and through all of this other stuff is going to be tricky. But what if it turns out that we might not see everything that was portrayed in the Left Behind series of books, let's say? What if it turns out that's not exactly accurate? But some of it is, and some of it we may just see. Oh, I don't know, like like an air force from the north that is miraculously driven out of the sky and defeated before it ever harms Israel. You know what? If that happens, man, I'm looking up. <laughs> 
I'm looking for Jesus. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. If if I if if I hear about certain things happening through all of this stuff we're looking at, I, I'm going to be thinking, yeah, this could be it. I got bad news though. If you trust me more than some of the other things that you've turned to, then you're going to have to hear me say, I don't know that the rapture is necessarily what we've tried to make it out to be. And there's a possibility that you might have to live through some pretty horrific stuff before Jesus comes. Because the only thing the Bible tells us for sure is, is that when he comes, we will rise into the sky to meet him in the blink of an eye or faster. Mm-hmm. And that will be preceded by the dead in Christ rising to meet him in the sky. So that much I can be sure of when it comes to this thing called the rapture. But there are a lot of people that really want to believe that the Christians are going to be spared from the really bad stuff and that seven years will go by after their rapture and all this. It's like, I, you know what? I'm not sure. I don't see enough evidence from Scripture for me to be sure about anything except the fact that Jesus will call and I will rise to, to meet him in the sky. But it also says in Scripture that when he does, then we will be like sort of marching behind him as he comes to retake the world and create heaven on earth, you know? So it's like, if I'm going to literally take the Bible seriously, as I have chosen to do, then I have to accept the fact that it's ambiguous about certain things. And so it turns out that, you know, when Jesus said in the last days, it'll be like in the days of Noah, that what that might mean is, is that we might see things like Noah saw before the flood. And you know what he saw? Greek mythology. He saw giants. He, he saw all kinds of wild, crazy things. And those people just didn't believe. Those creatures just did not believe that Noah was right when he said, you know, there's going to be a day when I close the door on this thing and you guys are in trouble. And so they just kept doing what they were doing and pretending like nothing was wrong. And they died. And of course, Scripture tells us that, you know, basically their physical existence ended, but all of those spiritual beings who inhabited the bodies of certain creatures, you know, still exist, and we call them demons. Again, if I take my Bible literally, it's actually easier to make sense of things than if I try to make it fit my vanity and sanity. You know, so you didn't know this was coming, did you? You weren't sure where I was going with this. I did not. I Um, didn't know where I was going with this. No, that's okay. I'm honestly, I'm struggling with some of this stuff. Yeah. Like this is hard. Mm -hmm. Um, And you know, you don't have to agree with me and people listening to this don't have to agree with me. I fear that those who disagree with me will say, well, I don't know if I want to keep going to that church because maybe that guy's a little bit kooky. But I'm not going to force what I think on anybody. What I'm going to say is is that I literally believe my Bible is true and I have a deep devotion to Christ. And I know he's coming again. And I know he said certain things would happen around the time he comes again. And I think we're seeing some of those things happening. So maybe that means he's coming real soon. And you know what? Most of us would agree with that. Or we should stop singing some of our favorite Christmas songs. Hmm. Right? Like, I'm serious. Hmm. You know, so the other stuff I'm talking about, you know, crazy, crazy creatures and the world outside of the Garden of Eden and all that. That might be hard for a lot of people to swallow. But I'm saying it for the benefit of people like me. When I was a lot younger closer to your age, and I was trying to get my head around certain things like how can we have evidence that dinosaurs roamed the earth 60 million years ago, and yet the Bible doesn't talk a lot about dinosaurs, but it does give us some indication that, that those kinds of creatures existed, like dragons, for example. And, and, and it's like, you know, how, how did I, you know, so I just, I wanted my Bible to be trustworthy and true or not. 
and I wasn't satisfied to say, well, some of it's allegory and some of it's just, you know, imaginative writing. And I've heard all of that. I went to seminary. I can tell you right now, there are people with degrees in that nonsense. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean any disrespect. I'm just saying that they've made PhD dissertations out of proving to at least the equals in their realm that the Bible is true in some ways, but not true in others. And it's like, you know, I can't put my faith in the God of a certain book of a certain word, which is the expression of God's heart and mind the word logos, right? Like, like doesn't make sense to me to say God only means it sometimes and not others. And as you know, when we went through our process last summer of disaffiliating from the United Methodist Church, lots of people thought it was about one thing. But for me, for Pastor Dan, it was always about the integrity of Scripture. It was always about how I believe that God is the same yesterday, today, and always. And if God says something, it's true, period. Mm-hmm. And it isn't about what he says about one very hot topic. It's about what God says about everything. And I didn't want to be affiliated with a church denomination that said, well, sometimes God means what he says and other times God doesn't mean what he says. Well, who gave you the authority to decide that? Right. And so I would rather say God's always right, but sometimes I'm wrong. So since I'm wrong, sometimes I'll err on the side of grace. <laughs> you know, yeah. and and that way I can give grace to somebody that maybe they don't deserve. But who am I to decide whether they deserve it or not? You know, mm-hmm. so 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 see, this is my home. You know, people can take this or leave it. But the reality is, is that I'm all in <laughs> and that's it. Yeah. And I believe my Bible, period. Now, I know that some translations are better than others and all that, but I believe in the integrity of the spirit-given word of God, the logos, the heart and mind of God. And I've been convinced of it throughout my life. And so now when I'm confronted with the possibility that I may be very well alive when Christ returns... I'm going to be glad that I took my Bible literally because I don't know where else to turn for wisdom on how to express or experience these things. Yeah. (laughs) Well, there's a lot that I don't know, admittedly. But what I do know is that you are one of the most intelligent people I know. And... I mean, what, 30, 40, however many years ago, you decided the Bible is true and God means what he says 100% of the time. And for your intellectual brain, it makes perfect sense to me that you're looking at the entire narrative of the Bible and saying, looking at the current events of the world and saying, yes, this is still true, mm-hmm. you know, and here's what I know about the Bible and here, here's what I absolutely believe to be true. And that's God and God's word. And I think it's so, you said earlier, like it's, it's, um, more intellectual to, to say the Bible is true and to know that God is true and real and good and he still is in control, but it's, I'm struggling to come up with sentences here because I just feel so like heavy, you know, with all mm-hmm. of this, but, um, it's just so intellectual to say, okay, the Bible is true and, and I'm going to deep dive into it. And I'm, I'm going to believe that it is true regardless of what anyone else says. And there are scientists out there who think that their way is the way, right? They believe in Darwinism or whatever mm-hmm. about creation. And and even these higher up scientists are saying, well, we believe that most of this is true, but there, there are these few little things here that honestly we can't explain. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, aha, there, there's a little hole there. Right. And I think some people do that same thing with the Bible and with Christianity and they can say, well, okay, there's this little hole here and we're just, you know, that's just not going to be true. Um, But 
I love that you're looking at everything in scripture from giants to dragons to miracles to the end of the times. And you're saying, this is all true. And here, here is what I think about it. Mm -hmm. I don't know where that goes from there, but. Well, and, and I, I appreciate, I really appreciate what you just said, Adrian, because it, it's, it's complimentary, but it's also a, a tribute to your own intellect that, that you're willing to think broadly. And I respect you for that because, because what, what I'm saying is something that's coming new to you and maybe a lot of people who are listening to me, and it's pretty overwhelming. And, and maybe because of your faith in me as someone that you trust, it's like, well, I, I'm really having a hard time with this, but it's, it's Dan, you know, like, like, well, don't take Dan's word for it. First of all, talk to the Lord, anyone, anyone who's listening. If, if you think there's any, any, uh, uh, element of, of truth in what I'm saying, if there's anything about what I'm saying that, that needs further exploration, ask the Lord to be your guide. That's what I did. Mm-hmm. That's what I did. And and I can promise you that there is nobody listening or alive that would agree with 100% of the things I've said. And I don't expect them to, you know. And, and some of my teachers and, and some of those who have influenced me over the years would say, I didn't say that. And, and it's like at some point this becomes about my personal journey. It becomes about my experience with God. And... I don't think there are people who outright disagree with me about everything that's coming out of my mouth who really share my faith. But I do believe there are people that have the similar faith to mine who are, who are struggling with some of these, these ideas. And yet I still would argue that if you want the world to make sense, take the Bible literally. And I'm talking about these broad concepts, and I don't mean to in any way betray my belief that you can take the Bible literally, but I I grant you that some translations are going to give you certain ideas and words differently like like I listen to a couple of people who come at it from a Jewish rabbinical Hebrew point of view and they will show you things in the Bible that are just phenomenal like like uh, the the uh, the way words well here's one I heard just recently do you know what the Hebrew word for evil is no I mean the violence that leads to the death of babies and things like that. Do you know what the Hebrew word is? Mm-mm. Hamas. No. Seriously. That's what I heard recently, and it came from a credible source. <laughs> Do you know that the word Palestine or Palestinian is the derivation of the word Philistine? And the Philistines originated in Gaza, and they were almost entirely governed in their earliest days by demonic, half-human, half-god, you know, fallen angel hybrids, and like the, the giants of Gath that David took on Goliath, and Goliath had a brother's. Then, mm-hmm. and, and some people say the reason David picked up five smooth stones is he only needed one apiece, but he got enough for Goliath and his brothers. Really? <laughs> like, like you know, um, you know that that most of these really dark and mysterious things that the Bible talks about in the Old Testament are centered in the area of Gaza. You know, did you know that? Um, that that this dispute between the Philistines and the Arab peoples and the Jewish people goes all the way back to Cain and Abel. It goes all the way back to Isaac and Ishmael. It goes all the way back to Jacob and Esau. And it all divides over that line between where Gaza is and where the rest of Israel is, that it's all pretty much in that vicinity, you know, and I'm speaking in broad terms just to make the point, like, you know, the Bible is so daggone literally true. It's incredibly 
overwhelming when when you have the knowledge and the skills that some of the Hebrew scholars have. You can find things in there that are just unbelievable. And you know what? A lot of people say they're unbelievable because they're not true, but they are. And, and the reason is, is because it's so easy to correlate because they can do things with numbers in Hebrew language. So the Hebrew alphabet has every letter in the Hebrew alphabet has a numerical value, too. And so they they have the capacity to take the ancient Hebrew and and oh and each Hebrew letter has a visual value. In other words, it's not just a letter, but it's a caricature. It's it's a it's a like a icon or a, a an emoji. Hmm. So each letter in the Hebrew alphabet is like an emoji that represents a whole concept. Like you've done it, you've sent somebody an emoji, you know, with a funny face on it, and it communicates a whole concept. You know, the reason he's winking and he's got his mouth sort of in a smirky position is because he's saying, "Yeah, that sounds like a lot of," you know. So it's a whole concept hmm. comes across in an emoji. And so every letter in the ancient Hebrew alphabet has a, a sort of emoji sort of value. And then each letter in the alphabet has a numerical value. And so words can make up word pictures that have a series of emojis, but they can also make up a numerical picture that can mean something. And then the word can say what it means and means what it says. So... <laughs> So Jewish Hebrew scholars can show you un unbelievably complex things that are in the Bible that affirm things like this. You know, like, like you know, I'm just scratching the surface because I'm just this dumb seminary trained guy who can't speak Greek or Hebrew because they don't make you do that anymore to get a seminary degree. And that's because I can use my smart computer or my phone to figure out what the Greek word for something is or whatever. But when I start diving into those things and I start looking at what what the word that I read in English means in the language that the original author used. And then I take that word of the original author and I apply the context of who he was writing to and what he meant for them to get out of what he wrote. And then you take it a little further and you go, and, and who was dictating it to them? Well, God. But what was the situation under which this person was writing down what God wanted him to say? Because that's contextual too. And so you follow that contextual thread far enough and you realize that there is something being said that is extraordinary. <laughs> but the beautiful thing about the Bible is... You don't even have it. You don't have to know all that. Somehow, just reading your Bible takes you into a place where you and the Lord are connected, and the heart and mind of God translates through the Scripture to the one reading it. As soon as the logos happens, and the logos happens when your spirit is willing. Listen, people can open the Bible and read it in a hostile way. And they're never going to get anything out of it except what they expect to get out of it. But if they have even the moment of weakness where they just crack even the slightest, the force of God's Holy Spirit just creeps through these little cracks in your will from scripture and have heard so many stories. That's why I'm having the Gideon guy come and talk at church in a couple of weeks, because I've heard so many stories of people who were pagan witch doctors and somebody gave them a Gideon's Bible, which is the New Testament and the Psalms and a little piece of instruction in the back of it that tells you how to accept Jesus as your savior. And this witch doctor is a blithering Christian before you know it they're just going I love Jesus and they can't figure out how it happened to them and it's because the word of God in scripture has this power that is remarkable it is a miracle that happens every day and most people take it for granted you know because we expect miracles to be more spectacular than that what could be more spectacular than people picking up a book and reading it 
And before long, their entire nature has changed. <laughs> I mean, that's, you know. Yeah. And, and, and despite the fact that it's been translated into multiple languages and some translations have been better than others, somehow still the heart and mind of God echoes through the hearts and minds of the people who read the Bible. And, and it's just, it's absolutely astonishing. And that's why I decided that I would take the Bible literally and believe that it says what it means and it means what it says. Wow. Well, all of that is so interesting. Um, my mind is successfully blown though, for the day. <laughs> like, I, I think my brain. I can brain, see the smoke right now. It's yeah, definitely. There's smoke pouring out of my ears. So um, I think we'll call it there for today because yep. I just. That's a lot to chew on. Um, and, you know, listener, if you're out there and you're like, I don't know about, read the Bible, read it, and then come in with questions. Um, yeah, please don't write anything hateful to me because I really get my feelings hurt. You know, I mean, I shouldn't <laughs> be, but I shouldn't be that sensitive, but I am. I mean, you know, let's let's talk to each other in a civil discourse and uh, let us reason with one another as scripture says but don't be hateful please yeah I mean together as human beings of one race that is the human being race homo sapiens we are staring evil in the face yeah. together yeah together so don't be part of it yeah don't well, continue the evil yeah. spread love spread joy spread grace be God's hands and feet. Don't stoop down to the level of, of the enemy. Yeah. We're all facing it together. And we're all looking at these very hard things, trying to, I don't know if rationalize is even the right word, trying to wrap our minds around how human beings could possibly brutally murder young children and babies yeah. of the same human race. So I think the moral of the story is, just choose good. Like yeah. just, just choose good every day. Yeah. Choose God every day. Read your Bible. Know what it says. Develop your relationship with God in a more personal way than ever before. Because we are facing these very hard, very scary, very real things. It's the month of October. This is not just a scary movie. This mm -hmm. is real life that mm -hmm. we're facing together. Um, yeah. So know God better. Talk to him. Love him. Period. Amen. Amen. Bye, folks. Bye. Thank you.